1: Live on Joy 94.9 Saturday afternoon from noon via the live stream at joy.org.au forward slash
0: live live or tune your wireless in Melbourne to 94.9 FM. Joy. One, two,
2: three, four. Pilot use it, break it, fix it, trash it, change it, now it, create it, Trying to point it to press it, snap it. Good afternoon, this is TechnoGaze here on Joy 94.9, the show where we like to gaze into the world. We, We like to, we are gazing into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets and technology. We're thumping our gadgets onto the desk it seems. Just a little thump. Not that I'm... Is that my teacher voice?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Mr. Bowney.
2: I think you've been told off. (laughs) Mm, Now, uh, with me in the studio, um, of course, the voices you've heard already include Michael. Hello.
3: Good afternoon.
2: And Raina. Hi there. Very special guest in the studio with us uh, this week as well. His name is Dave Glover. Hello, Dave. Hi there. Great to be on the show again. Yes, I was going to say, it's been uh, quite some time. It's great to have you back. Special guest for this week. Um, and on uh, today's show, we'll be um, <laughs> as highlighted in the news of course, uh, the US President Barack Obama has Annexed the entire world's servers as his own. That was a <laughs> <Kinda>. bloodless coup. <laughs> Maybe a tongue-in-cheek reference to what's going on over in the US, but uh, we'll we'll discuss that very shortly. Uh, of course, Dave joins us this week. A um, you may remember Dave, uh, his previous involvement in Technogaze in, uh, in previous incarnations of the show. He joins us to talk, to talk about a topic that is uh, is he has an intense interest in. The Ooh, Internet of scary. Things. <laughs> uh, what are they, and how will these things change the way we live in the future? Online retailer Amazon is fighting back uh, on new French laws perceived to be directed specifically against the the U.S. giant, uh, introducing uh, as a consequence introducing one cent shipping fees. If only I could get stuff shipped to me for one cent, that would be amazing. Mm. But, uh, Hmm. Now uh, researchers at MIT are developing new gadgets and it's a gadget uh, with excellent world purpose enabling vision impaired um, people to read everyday books so that's kind of exciting we'll we'll talk about that a bit later and abroad uh, there's a Finnish city called Helsinki Uh, they're about to commence a trial that may end car ownership in the
3: city forever.
0: Really?
2: Mm. That'd
3: be a radical shake-up of the culture there. Mm.
2: It's no, no, none of this driver's car. Just straight to get rid of your car <laughs> no completely. <cars>. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, if you do want to contact us while we're in the studio here, you can do so by texting us oh four two seven
3: 0-427-JOY949.
0: You can send us an email on air at joy.org.au.
3: Or you can call us on the phone on 1300 JOIN 949 and leave a message with the lovely mushin.
2: Mm-hmm. We uh, are also on the Twitters and the Facebooks. Uh, Twitter, of course, at Technogaze, T-E-C-H-N-O-G-A-Z-E. And Facebook, Technogaze on JOIN 94.9 is the name of the page to look for there. And I'm going to say a very quick because we've, we've had a massive <laughs> influx of... Of Facebook friends or Facebook likers. So, Parker, Wendy, Chris, Lee, Anne, Tim, Tom, Mary, Rose, Alfredo, Joseph, Jay, Kyle, and Joshua. Thank you. Welcome to our Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> We did make a promise a few weeks ago to uh, to always read out the names of people who like us on Facebook. That may well be the entire show's content for the for the coming few weeks. <laughs> if, if you all sign up and like us on Facebook, because we want to, well, we we like to acknowledge what you're what you're doing for us.
0: That's right, and it means that you can keep up with all the podcasts and interesting bits of news that we find throughout the week as well. Correct. Or mm.
2: you
0: mm. can even send us things. Yeah.
2: Yeah, feel, feel free to, to give us ideas on, on stuff we should, uh, you think we should cover. All over it. We've always got few opinions, right?
0: <laughs> few opinions. Love my few opinions.
2: <laughs> now, uh, on to the order of the day. And of course, um, now, this is a new one. Apple uh, has denied the Chinese report of location tracking. Uh, there's a particular location tracking security risk perceived by the Chinese government, anyway. Uh, uh, Apple have come out swinging against this particular.
0: Now, let's um, let's just back up. So the Chinese government, known for their love of privacy and freedom, <laughs> are having a bit of a sook about Apple.
1: Yes, it's like I think yeah, it's where, pot. Here's the kettle. I think it may be where the information's going.
0: Yes,
3: I
1: suspect rather than the spying. Mm. Maybe more so in
3: principle, should. the spying's okay. It's just send the data to us, not to the US. <laughs> yes. Well,
0: that's Russia's rationale for having a good old sook about uh, you know. We talked about this last week. Oh, yeah, Mm. you must store your customer data in Russia because we don't want it going over to America where it obviously has all the hackers' hands all over it. (laughs) Because that never happens in Russia. No. No, and there aren't any spammers either.
3: So why don't we just have a transparent pipe? just blast everything into into the you know net, and anybody can look at it and everybody can share it but well, think of how much money everybody would yeah. save because uh-huh. you don't need individual spy agencies then we can all contribute a dollar or something and open looks, source spying open source spying right
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure that, that would work very well i'm not sure if I want my internet banking details on the see <laughs> <laughs> Don't
3: worry about practicality. Yeah, I was
2: going to say, do you want to start? You can, we can trials this you can, with my. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, I'll give you my bank account number, my date of birth. and What else do you need?
1: Um, uh,
3: oh, the name of my first next Tim. Yeah,
1: ne- <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah, M- mind you, the number of people who send their banking details over email in clear text. Yes, it's oh, yeah, scary. It. So you have probably already given your your banking details anyway. Yes,
2: it's mm-hmm. probably out
1: there on the on the on the plain text it's- market.
0: I actually did uh, subscribe to something last year and received my credit card back. Uh, you know. in plain text oh, and really? i said just so you know never ever ever do that to me again
1: yeah mm.
0: and uh, and then i canceled my subscription and i'm like why you're idiots, that's why.
1: <laughs> I think I went to a conference once, signed up, registered and put a password into the system and then they gave me a bit of, a bit of paper. This was about five, ten years ago. And on the back of that card was my password printed.
3: Oh. <laughs> and it was like, what? Well, Maybe. that's very nice of them, so you don't forget. So I don't forget. Yes.
2: Mm. <laughs> you always choose unique passwords, no matter where you are, I think, just in case they might be uh, published in places that you don't expect them to be. But
0: remember to shoot them through to the good people of the uh, the People's Republic of China. Or the NSA. Do. Yeah, Or the or NSA, Russia. yeah, why
3: or whoever, really. Now, I did like Apple's response mm. to China. Oh, yes. Where yes. they said that um, we've never worked with any government agency from any country to create a backdoor in any of our products or services. Right. And we've also never allowed access to our servers. So, do you think this is actually China going,
2: hearing about the NSA stuff and thinking, we want in on that as well. So, we're going to, you know, uh, you know, give them shtick for, for not giving us information.
0: It's probably a bit of that and a probably a little bit of, of, you know, let's have a laugh at, you know, the dirty capitalist Americans. Mm. Um, yeah. Who are in all this trouble And everybody's, you know, mm. everyone, everyone spies on everyone uh, we know mm-hmm.
3: and, and I guess if you're not sort of throwing Rocks at somebody that um, You know, when they throw rocks At you, you've got no form of defence So yeah, let's get in there and uh, give the other side A bit of a hard time yeah. like
0: a Glass house does, uh, does go well Without clear pipes so. mm.
3: yes, mm. right. Now, one of the things that we, I really Liked about Apple's thing was when we said We never allowed our access to our servers is our next story Mm-hmm Yes,
2: Obama. Uh, mm-hmm. The Obama administration says the world's internet servers are ours. That's right. Not <laughs> ours as in Technogazers, that would be amazing, but unfortunately not. Ours is in the US uh, property. Um, now, President Obama may have uh, different thoughts regarding access to servers. The US Justice Department claims that Microsoft must hand over email stored in Dublin uh, and in Ireland. And Of course, that's actually you know, quite a big sort of tech centre, uh, mm. Dublin. Mm. Yes. Right. Um... And uh, they're, they're basically saying, well, we, we should be able to access this information because you are essentially a, a U.S.-owned company. So mm.
3: I'm sure they'd have no issue then if a non-U.S. company, um, for instance, from, let's say a French company, if France went to the U.S. and said, oh, there's some data stored on U.S. soil that belongs to this French company, you should hand it over to us. I'm sure the U.S. would support them in that, <laughs> wouldn't they? Oh. Yeah, everything is ours, <laughs> <laughs> everything yeah. at all.
1: Well, they, they have something called the, the Patriot. Yes, Act, don't yes. they? Which I have to confess, not knowing a, a huge amount, but it basically does say that, particularly if the, the data is on US territory, that the government basically has full, has full access to that data. Mm. Mm. I think it's the guts of it anyway. I, I, I suspect that there's probably some judicial
2: oversight I that, think there probably just, is. To a degree, or at least in, in writing anyway, right?
3: <laughs> what, um, what's the international law on this? Because it's one thing for the US to say, you know, we, we've got some legislation that allows us to do this, but there is international law about who's got access to uh, assets and to data, mm. I would hope. Yeah. Maybe it's all too new and undefined.
1: No, I think there has been lots of debate about it, and I'm not entirely sure that the Patriot Act is that enforceable outside the U.S., mm. um, because we have a lot of people talk to us about where does the data live, right? and this often comes up. But, yeah. are, but the practical realities mean that that's not necessarily the case where everyone can get access to data.
2: Yes. Now, um uh, also on the on the theme, the FBI is uh, is, and this is a, a topic that comes up every now and then. Self driving cars, um, and the FBI have made uh, some some statements about it, uh, saying that it it'll be good for surveillance to have self driving cars. Why not? But they also may be potentially very lethal
0: in right. Right hands. Right. Well.
2: A gun is lethal in the wrong hands as well, right? I mean,
0: sure, but you can't remotely hack somebody's gun and drive the gun yet. down the road. Until, <laughs> it, until it
2: is Internet of Things enabled, which we'll talk about in a which few no minutes. no doubt it will be. <laughs> right.
0: But that's the thing about these these driverless cars, right, is that, um, yeah, that's probably a good thing in that you know they're probably dialling back home to whatever cloud provider mm. is doing their uh, navigation or whatever, going, hey, I'm here. Yeah. Now I'm over here, now I'm over there. But um, if you are one naughty person... Um, sorry, I just can't get over how much it looks like a little koala as well. Like, how, how evil can a driverless car be when it's got a cute little face <laughs> like a koala? This is the Google. Oh, you the Google. Google, the Google. This is the Google one. Um, that
1: was to put the smiley face on, on technology that we may not be comfortable with. Mm. Mm-hmm, that's right. So the, the report that
2: uh, the FBI has uh, written is stating that uh, driverless cars are a potential lethal weapon, um, but could also be uh, a surveillance for uh, or allow for more effective... Um, and easier surveillance. Um, it recognises that mobility will become more efficient, uh, but that a, a driverless car could be more of a potential lethal weapon uh, mm. than it is today. Um, yeah, interesting sort of... I mean, we, we think about it in terms of big data and what, what it means for uh, the likes of Google to have access to surveillance... Uh, not surveillance systems, but at least, you know, location data, you know, where a car mm. is at any given time, mm. and, and the tracking of that over time as well. I mean, it... it gives us um, interesting results, as in as a consumer, I can see very uh, clearly and reliably even what the uh, travel time between one place and, other, and another is mm. because of that information that's flowing
1: back and forth, right? The, also a good opportunity for, uh, for the likes of Google um, to, to drive adverts and advertising. Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, you're just driving <laughs> past here and suddenly there's a billboard <laughs> yes. buy
3: your Coca-Cola or <laughs> well, That's, come, that's where head, heads-up displays will be good. You know, the ad will come up and sort of, you know, <laughs> right. like it, that. And
0: if you're not Find driving, your it's glass. not getting in your way. Yeah,
2: what, yeah. What, if you've got nothing better to do, then why not have an ad? And when you're <laughs> Internet of
3: Things monitor device will hear your stomach rumble. It'll be like, oh, come eat at our restaurant.
2: <laughs> yes, well, and that's that's a good uh, good point to um, take a quick break because we will be talking about the Internet of Things. What is it? Um, where is it headed in the in the near future? What with uh, a lot of new devices coming out um, right now? You're listening to Technogaze here on Joy 94.9. Technogaze, Technogaze here on Joy 94.9 where we cover... All the latest in technology gadgets and consumer electronics, and uh, the internet and things on the internet is uh, is what we're covering today. Um, the Internet of Things—it's a—it's a—it's a phrase that you hear around the place, don't you? It's—it's it's also known as the uh, the cloud of things. Everyone wants to be in the cloud these days, right? And everybody wants to be part of the, a thing. Mm. So the, what what is the Internet of Things? I mean, in reality, what are we talking about here? We're talking about uh, not necessarily PCs on a desk. It's more about, what, uh, devices? Yeah,
1: well, it could be a whole range of things, I guess, because arguably... Uh, your pc p- could be or your phone could be or things like that but i think by definition people tend to think about it as machine to machine right or yep. device to machine or something like device to cloud is kind of what people think about when they talk about the the cloud of things or the internet of things mm-hmm. or, or that, that type of t- type of idea
2: because it's definitely like you see a lot of new products particularly in um you know different industries i guess you could call them today Where, like for example health there's a big thing in health and little devices that monitor your health they might be a watch they might be a little pedometer they might be a uh, a set of scales Mm. they're the kinds of things that are existing devices that we're used to wearing but they're actually becoming internet enabled or Mm. at least the data that they're Mm. They're having um, the ability to, to, to receive data or uh, obtain data from the world around them. Do and, things
0: that are a bit smarter now.
2: And then push mm. that out to to our cloud, our cloud service or, or something where you can then, as a person, um, jump on and, and find out. So,
3: so one of the advantages is instead of you know, perhaps going up to your home thermostat and having to look at the temperature every half hour or once an hour and make adjustments – Something can be operating in the background and making these measurements every second or every two mm. seconds, mm. and then making the adjustments as you go along and, and come up with a more efficient solution. Which mm. is which is exactly what a th- I mean it's 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 almost like a thermometer or a thermostat. It actually,
2: its basic function is to monitor and and do that sort of yeah. thing. But what it's actually doing is becoming more smart. Right? It's actually saying, "Okay, you're in the in the um, in the the house right now. I'm going to adjust myself." Accordingly, because I've I'm, I've mm. got a bit
1: more logic around it. It's not just
2: a I, I can board. see
0: people in here. I'm going to fire up the heater.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah, well, exactly. And there, there are there are ideas around um, geolocation as well. So um, some scenarios like you're you're driving home and you've got your mobile phone with you and, you and your phone knows where you are. So let's say you're you're 5k from home and it would be lovely. and It's dark and you'd love to have the porch light turned on for you and yep. perhaps fire up the heating and you know put the put the meal in the oven whatever mm. however <laughs> it goes. And it's those kind of scenarios where things get much much smarter much more connected and there are a whole stack examples how many people in here wear a fitbit I,
2: Not
0: anymore.
1: <laughs> I I will say that I don't, but it's
2: because my phone is now capable of doing the same job. Ah, true, mm. true, yeah. So what about Fitbit scales?
1: I, I do have I do one use of those. I've got Fitbit scales as well. These are scales of
3: shame
0: that, twi- <laughs> that tweet
1: your current weight. <laughs>
2: no,
0: no, no. But they will email you with a little a little trophy that says "Congratulations, you lost ten kilos" or whatever, yeah. which I think is pretty cool.
2: Mm. And this is the thing, right? So it actually gives us access to information in more um, uh, incremental basis, like. The uh, When you had a set of scales in your bathroom 10 years ago, it was just a, oh, what do I weigh today? Oh, I'll just check it out. Mm. But you're not really tracking that, right? Unless you're mm. really like uh, the nerd of the nerd going to a spreadsheet and, oh, yeah. and entering that, that amount in. And it's usually not very precise either because scales are quite... Um, you know the the
1: old style scales.
2: It's anyway, sort of
0: household right? scales, anyway. Yeah,
2: they're not you know many. the
0: ones at your GP or whatever. Are pretty precise. Mm.
1: I, I I must admit, my behaviours change when it comes to weighing myself. That I actually weigh myself less. Oh really? No, I've got a bit, because the blooming thing's recorded in history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if I've been out for a big meal the night before, there's no way I'm going to stand on those scales because I'm going to have to look at it for the next week.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, it does inform us, doesn't it? Like if 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 that information is known that it, it you know you become more you know maybe a kilo heavier in a given day because you have eaten more heavily but that's only a transitory thing you can kind of determine that after use of of your scales right i mean yeah true enough i'm talking from personal experience <laughs> here. don't
0: don't forget as well though when, when you're using those scales right like if you're doing things like tracking what you're eating or you know or i always know that i uh, my weight goes up by however much after i've had a big meal or i've had a few tinnies or whatever like that <laughs> that's what Mm. as as you do then um I mean, a lot, of these, uh, a lot of these things come with those apps where you can enter that sort of food and everything. Yes. and It'll say, look, here are some things that we can reveal about your life. Mm. Yeah. You know, like we've noticed you do the same, you know, Friday night fish and chips or whatever, and maybe it's not doing you any favors <laughs> or whatever.
1: So I, th- I think that's what's called data fusion or a term like that, where you can pull whole, whole lots of different bits of data in. And that's the kind of interesting thing where you can say, well, it's Friday night. I've been walking. Uh, I've just had a meal of this X number of calories and things like that. And it can start building a bigger map of kind of what your what your overall life looks like. Yeah, the mm. Internet of Things, I think in general, kind of points to
2: a, a sort of a broader picture in the in the IT industry of big data and, and data fusion and bring. You know, it. You don't want to give you, give away your information unless you get something in return, right? You don't want to have that Fitbit mm. on you unless you get something. Um, you know, some tangible piece of information as a result. Right. And in the Fitbits case, it's, you know, it's a pedometer. So it tracks how many, how many, um, mm. how many steps you make. Although well, yeah. some of
0: them, so the, the wristband one, does things to do with sleep and everything as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. They're, they're getting smarter all the time. Yeah. That.
2: But so th- what, what is it that uh, big data can actually do with this, right? Like the, they're collecting massive amounts of information about people's habits, about people's you know, um, responses to certain,
0: well, imagine the public health implications. If, if you could convince enough people to give up maybe some anonymized data that says, you know, I'm a, I'm a male of this sort of age range, um, this sort of lifestyle and, um, and then you can sign up to this thing. I mean, imagine the public health sort of implications of being able to say, Mm -hmm. well, you know, we have a really great, amazing longitudinal study of people who are happy to wear these sensors all the time. You know, Because, mm. I mean, it's got to be the hardest thing, you know, if, if you are thinking about health, to go, oh. I mean, I used to do this all the time when I was on a, on a, a well-known uh, weight loss program. It was like, you know, did you do any exercise this week? Well, of course I did. Yeah, of <laughs> course that. I did. Your nose is
1: growing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, for
0: 30 minutes. No, it was 20 and it was once.
1: Um,
0: but but to, to get that sort of honest.
1: Yeah, well, I actually think there is a move afoot with some of the insurance businesses around trying to get people to be more active. Yep. And and one of the ways in which they're going to do that is as Mike said, he's got a, some sort of a pedometer device yes. and a step counter on his phone. There's new phones coming out from Nokia and from LG and people like that. Who are all, this is all built in. Mm. And, and you will potentially be able to opt in and, well,
3: and say... To, look, and and get a discount on And get, on get a discount, yeah.
2: So that's, that's an interesting sort of way of, of how it's approached, right? So the, the health insurance companies are, in fact, saying, oh, here's a benefit in order for you to give us information. We will give you a uh, monetary discount on, on, your, on your premium mm. because that actually does cost us less for, you know, mm. in terms of business terms, they, they see us mm. as being a less uh, liability if we yeah. um, if we but what does that mean for the flip side? What happens when it becomes <laughs> the reverse? When it's
3: mandatory and you get penalised if you don't, you don't. You don't? Yes. <laughs> yes. or
2: perhaps they're monitoring your, you know, as a, as a requirement and therefore, you know, if you do um, have a, a lazy week
3: What happens then? Does it? Does your premium premium go up for that week? I mean, (laughs) there's all sorts of you're at risk. (laughs) Well, I've I've got a a new business model. Then you. Much like a dog walker, where you pay somebody to walk your dog, I'll just find an Olympian and they'll carry three hundred Fitbits <laughs> on their body as they go for their little run and boom, they my exercise <laughs> what a You
1: know, you can get Fitbits for dogs now, for animals now, don't you? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I don't think it's made by Fitbit, but the same idea. Yep. Because people buy these animals on the basis that I'm buying this because I'll, because I want to walk more. So yeah, if I buy a dog, I'll go walking more. But what happens? The pooch doesn't actually walk that much. So you can get you get a Fitbit now or an equivalent of and put. On the pooch, and then it will tell you. Well, actually, the dog hasn't walked
2: for a so while. You need so to, you so, need to walk
3: the dog. You need
1: to get off off your ass and go walking.
2: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we've talked a fair bit about the personal aspects of it. I guess the personal devices and, and things that we can have on our on ourselves. But there's um, a broader sort of uh, view of the Internet of Things, and uh, you know, devices that might monitor passively uh, the environment around us, maybe cities, you know, driving and so forth. We will continue this discussion on the Internet of Things in a few moments. You're listening to Technogaze on Joy 94.9.
0: Technogaze. More of your favourite shows. Joy 94.9.
2: Hopefully this is one of your favourite shows. This is Technogaze. This, this is, is my favourite show.
0: <laughs> it's definitely my favourite show.
1: And it's my favourite show as well.
0: Aww. Aww. I
1: had to say that. 100% survey results right
2: there. <laughs>
3: From the <laughs> employees. <laughs>
2: Now we're talking about the Internet of Things and uh, what it is to uh, to the world. Um, you know, we're talking about little devices that we've we've spoken at length about um, about devices that you have on your person and what they might do to track data and so forth. But there's other aspects of the Internet of Things, right? So there's there's the ability to track information, environmental information, or perhaps, you know, a car could be internet-enabled, and suddenly that's a thing that is on the internet, the internet of things, right?
3: Mm -hmm. And it's almost happened by default, because um, GPS makers like TomTom have got... um, sims in, the, in their uh, GPS devices that are reporting what's happening with the, with you as, as a mm. driver mm. and then that can feeds back into the display that says oh there's congestion on this road or there isn't
2: yes there's there's that, that feedback loop and it's also in, in real time as well right mm. like there's you know the likes of Google or TomTom Tom, they all track that information over over a period of time they could be quite smart about it perhaps they could start looking at trends over a given week because you know traffic patterns would probably be mm. uh, a weekly sort of pattern so it's you know there's interesting implications for
1: all these devices to be to be embedded around us in the, the world that we live in. And, and there's obviously big money in it. Uh, if you think about uh, Google bought Nest uh, mm. for three billion dollars, mm. I think probably about six months to a year ago. You forgot to say that with your pinky up against you. Ping- <laughs> <laughs> six billion dollars. Yeah, no, three billion dollars. I'm, yep. no, I'm talking about the. Six dollar man and uh, but uh, and and that 's all around home automation mm. and and on obviously there 's a recognition that again, getting back to we talked about health and fitness and things like that and but just being able to look at patterns mm. and I think these devices kind of figure out one around proximity or, and they look mm. at patterns and who 's in the room and who 's walked out of the room, and shall I turn on that thermostat and f- warm up the room and, and all those types of things. And that's all very
2: great as a consumer. You can buy this product, you can uh, sign up to their service and suddenly you've got all this, you know, little bits of information here and there to, to work with. But what about from an enthusiast's point of view? Um, you know, what what do we have available to us in terms of the the devices that we have um, around us today? Uh, and particularly from a, a you know a computer um, enthusiast's point of view, what what would what does the Internet
1: of Things mean? Yeah, well, uh, um, I guess I can I can talk to this one. one. One of the big changes that's happened over the last like five years, I'd say, is is price points and commoditization of, of things like microcontrollers and internet access and cloud service and all those types of things and open source projects and free software and all those things have all come together mm. and made what was probably in the, really just in the, the, the ability of large corporates to better build these projects to making it to a point where... A hobbyist or an enthusiast can get involved and actually start building things, or startups and things like that. And there's a whole there's a whole kind of movement called the maker. Movement, right? And if you go out and look on on, there's maker magazines, and, and in fact, I just spotted a book called "Makers: The New Industrial Revolution," mm. and and it's by the same chap who wrote um, uh, the, "The Long Tail," which if you if you might have read about, and by a guy called Chris Anderson, mm. and he was really talking about there's been this whole movement around democratization of information, media, communication, all those types of things, and he said this is exactly what's going on in the Internet of Things because things are now getting to a price point where it's easy for me to come along and say, I've got a great idea. Mm. Um, I know how to do software development. I can kind of do the tinkering now with the hardware because the hardware is pretty much there and pretty much packaged. And I can get out there and actually make things. And you think about 3D printers. I walked into Officeworks last week. Mm,
0: You can buy one there now.
1: You can buy them for $1,000. Really? Oh, it's just, and and they can probably get them cheaper now. But it's that whole kind of industrial revolution potentially going on with this whole maker revolution where people will be able to go and build things in ways that they never thought they could go and do before.
0: See, this is, this is what you say about democratisation, but what you actually get a lot of the time is not necessarily democratisation at the moment. They are so far out of reach in terms of skill and experience for most people to do. Mm. So you sort of, you can have these sorts of things. It's like, yeah, you know, anyone can three D print such and such. Well, not necessarily at the moment. Or oh, anyone to, can yeah. develop software that can you know be smart textiles in your in your coats, whatever. No, not really. There's this whole sort of attitude that uh, that it's accessible to us at the moment. I don't necessarily feel that this movement will really take off until people get real about making it easier and more accessible for people to be able to control things themselves. And perhaps
2: it's it's a process as well of, of that occurring, like. It's it's um, going to start, uh, yeah. Like know, it's you know, got to like,
0: start eventually. We, but we,
2: we we had to uh, uh, just to mm. make a put a real sort of example to this. The three D printer that we had here in the in the Joy Studios a few months back, it was actually quite difficult to get the damn thing
3: to work, right? As well, to ca- to calibrate and everything else. It's it's almost like think back to the early of the last century with a car. You know, you'd almost have to be a mechanic if you owned a car, yeah. right? And I think that's at the stage where we're at. Uh, With 3D printing and things are getting better and the fact that we're now having it in in places like Officeworks means that yes it is becoming a lot easier to use. Sure but with that
0: comes this right. So you you have these things like oh yeah anyone can program this blah blah blah. Yeah if you have the technical skill and whatnot, yeah you can. If you don't have that then you kind of are relying on these companies Mm. to make that easier Mm. for you and that tends to close things away from the consumer and makes it less tinkery and more sort of you know this is a consumer electronic for you to
1: touch i don't think this is a consumer played certainly at this level i think this is a, a skilled a skilled developer this is this is it, but it's more making it available and 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 10 years ago to to build something which might be internet enabled internet things and have sensors and actuators and things like that for most people that was completely out of out of reach mm-hmm. whereas and for now, most
0: people it still is and
1: well if you think about um lego mindstorm mm-hmm. and that you could argue is an Internet of Things device, which has been turned into a child's toy. And, and there's various—you know—you go onto the web and you can find things that solve Rubik's cubes and things like that using Lego Mindstorm. So that's more of a kind of a consumer end of a of a Internet of Things kind of gadget a device. Make, in fact, there's a consumer product there that is is almost purposely made accessible
2: to a younger generation, um, purely for the the. Um, well, one could argue that. One would hope that it's actually it creates a, a sort of a, a wonderment towards it, like as a, as a yeah. um, you know younger kid being able to sort of play around and, and make things do what they you know what you want it to do, and have it in an easy enough format for them to do it. That actually takes a, a certain amount of corporate. Creation to do that, right? That's right. It does. So there's there is that, that gap, and there's very specific products that probably enable the the bridging of it. There, yeah, there um, are,
1: but it, but to give given a good example, uh, like the Raspberry Pi project. Mm, yeah. Um, would be a a classic example where actually it didn't come out of a large corporate. It came out of a bunch of people got together and thought one of the biggest problems we've got now with computing is that kids aren't learning about computers and about software development. They're learning about Excel, spreadsheets, Word, PowerPoint, things like that. But that's their kind of involvement with computer technology. And the whole idea behind Raspberry Pi was to get kids back down to learning about what it meant to build software again. Yeah, and
2: and, and make things do something as opposed to just learning how it was Told yeah. to do it sort of thing or,
1: or physics was what I call physical computing right it's like you know some you know some sort of you can code something and it'll have some sort of physical manifestation mm. kind of out there
2: another example of this as well as uh, and it's it's uh, we've had uh, John Oxer who's um, quite famous here in Melbourne for for this sort of stuff anyway is the open hardware movement and the ability to um, uh, buy relatively cheaply uh, uh Circuit boards that mm. have been designed in a certain way to enable us to you know in a modular way so that and and admittedly like going back to rainus your your point about it being accessible to everyone someone yeah not, not, not everyone a, has a has a um, a want or desire to actually no. pick up a circuit board and try to make it make and it frankly
0: work. nor should they yeah
2: and that's that's fine but it's 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 still um a step in the right direction in the sense of a um you know it's not some uh, you don't have to go and get a circuit board printed by a uh, mm. maker yourself and, and you, you don't have to get the specs done for you and all that sort of thing. Like you, you don't have to know the, the how the ICs work in order for it to to, to work in itself. Yes, yeah,
1: and, and there's some good implications like Arduino would be a great example of both open source hardware and open source software. Mm. And which enables a startup to go out there, build a real product on there, and then part of their licensing says you can actually go and deliver a real product based on all this open source technology, and Mm. and build add value to it, and go and create some create some sort of product.
3: So really, these type of products allow. smaller individuals rather than large corporations with with huge R&D budgets to go and develop an idea take it to a prototype stage and see if it's going to work and see whether there's an audience for it
2: I I would argue that um, those there is quite a heavy markup on those products though like even to buy an Arduino Mm. um, is not the cheapest thing in the world and no. you, you'd suspect it it that the actual material that uh, that is is used to create that is not not a hundred dollars mm. worth of material it's actually quite yeah. a lot less and that's, but
0: honestly that's another thing that kind of puts me off the whole movement is that the maker movement is largely driven by a lot of privileged white people <laughs> and there's not oh. there's not a lot of look i say that as a privileged white person mm. um uh, but it's it, there's there's a lot of you know there's that whole Silicon Valley sort of you know oh anyone can do this if you have copious amounts of spare time and the educational background in order to do it with and the money to buy that equipment and not everyone has that.
3: I guess the marketing hype is way and above over what it you know delivers. So you know a- anybody can do it is obviously no not anybody can do it but, not at the moment. But more and more people are able to do it and um, you know take advantage of this. And but the marketing hype says oh anybody can because it sounds so much better.
1: Yeah. Well, the- to, to give you an idea about price point, though, for an Arduino, if you're going to buy an Arduino chip, you can buy them for less than $10. Mm. You can buy so, an Arduino which plugs into a USB drive and, to, and USB port, and that costs $30. Yeah. I mean, the, these things do have price points which are pretty accessible for a lot of people. And then people can go and build on those types of, build on those type of technologies and go and build something. So I, I would argue they're pretty accessible. Not yeah. still not convinced.
0: No. <laughs> not really. So thirty dollars for us is is you know relatively accessible. Thirty dollars if you can't afford to buy breakfast for your children is not necessarily wow. very accessible. And thirty dollars if you are in a third world country yeah. is really not accessible in it, any way.
2: I, I think as well. Like I mean, it's probably those people that are that are looking. How to next feed their kids probably aren't thinking about probably know, not the next big probably not yes. uh, you know Internet of Things device, but it still does enable it to be more accessible to to people who may have different ideas, diverse um, feelings on on how how to achieve certain things, and they might you know it might actually create a, a sort of a. An improvement in technology. One mm. of one
3: of the um, I think next debates that's going to happen is that we're going to find that we've, we're sending all of these data to you know whoever the manufacturer is, to, so they can give me a nice summary of what my exercise mm. pattern is and what my diet pattern is. And the question is going to come about is who owns the data? Mm. So you know, are they then able to sell that? Are they able to sell it as on aggregate or identifying me as an individual? And I think that's going to become more of a topic as we suddenly discover that, gee, we're sending all of this data to people that we don't know. Yeah, yeah
1: and that, that's a big change, actually. I was talking to a manufacturer yesterday just on this very topic, and they make uh, heating units, and when they sell them, they sell them to a channel, and they really have no idea who they sell them to. Right. And that's one of their biggest business challenges, and that the richness of that data, potentially of knowing where that appliance yes. lives, what country it lives, how is it used, when is it's turned on? Mm. Uh, all those types of things. It's, it's hugely valuable information for an
3: organization. And, and I guess simply just having the IP address and trying to geolocate somebody by the IP address is going to be worth a lot to an organisation like that, let alone having a GPS coordinate.
2: There's Mm. definitely speculation around uh, the Nest purchase uh, that we referred to earlier, Nest being purchased by Google, and why did it cost $3 billion? Well, for Google, that's actually a whole bunch of existing devices. That's right. mm, It's um, a
0: massive business investment for them,
2: mm, mm. buying
0: that that ecosystem, Mm. buying into that ecosystem.
2: Yes. This is Technogaze here on Joy 94.9 where we're covering some of the latest in tech, gadgets, consumer electronics, things on the internet, all sorts of stuff. We'll be back with more in a few months. Technogaze. Certainly a very... Interesting vibe here in the station, isn't there? This this week, it's uh, very you know a lot of uh, humming going on, I guess, in the background. A lot of
0: excitement, <laughs> packing up lots of goodies to take down to uh, to the global village for our week long outside broadcast.
2: The gadget nerd went off in in me in a, in a few moments ago when I saw the massive desk that uh, was being played around with up the up the back in preparation for it to be set up. down There in are the more global buttons village.
3: than we usually have.
2: I know. I thought I had enough buttons in uh, in the, in front of me here, but clearly. We always need more oh, buttons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, um, some of the other stuff that's happened uh, this week: Amazon has uh, has raised a few eyebrows. Um, now, French
0: eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> <Oh-ho>. <laughs> uh, now, back in
2: 1981, France introduced a law to protect small booksellers from larger chains. Uh, they prohibited the discounting of new books by more than five percent. In the same spirit, France is now protecting uh local bricks and mortar bookstores by introducing legislation called the anti amazon laws <laughs> hmm. um now this, uh, of course you know it's it's quite a big thing you look around the um the city here in in australia and and you, the bookstores are closing are down. disappearing yeah you know, some of them are there's, uh, there's still some that um, hang around. I think the specialty
3: bookstores probably do quite well, mm. but the uh, general ones are the ones that uh, tend to go. And
2: often it's, it's pointed to online uh, book selling, uh, Amazon's uh, effort or um, perhaps um, even Apple, Apple's. I can think effort. of
0: one chain that blamed online stuff, oh, but yes. I don't know if that was necessarily the whole story. I think, yeah, but mm. a lot of the independent booksellers are, are still rocking it on.
3: Right. Do you, do you think people read less?
0: Oh goodness, I don't. I read more. I
3: read more as well. But
1: I would do wonder, particularly younger generation with a lot more distractions, Mm. you know, games or things like that, or internet. Or look,
3: I remember growing up, and it's like, stop watching TV, go out, read a book, or go, you know, play outside. What's the parenting like these days? And the parenting these days is, for goodness' sake, get off your computer and go watch TV. Something, something active, and do something passive. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, of
2: course, um, so France uh, is um, is extending these these laws that they introduced back in the nineteen uh, eighties to um, to maybe apply to today's um, uh, in, uh, book selling. Mm. Um, and what has uh, what has Amazon done in uh, in response to this?
0: Well, one of the laws is you can't offer things like free shipping. Uh, as a sweetener for, um, you right. know, getting you to compete. So it's actually – it's a, it's designed to maintain uh, fair competition, I guess. But uh, Amazon's are like, well, fine, you won't let us ship for free. We'll ship for one cent. <laughs> 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 one euro cent.
2: I wonder if that's also shipping for um, online books as well. Do they – you know, does France prohibit the, you know, right. shipping? Right, so, so the,
3: del- the delivery of a book to your uh, Kindle app – is that considered shipping? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knows?
2: Now, Amazon was also, um, you know, because they're not just about books these days. Amazon, they're, they're quite a big online retailer in general, and mm. they're looking for new and improved and amazing ways of getting those goods to your front door, aren't they?
3: Yeah, and uh, we've looked at before how they're uh, doing some experiments with drones to try and deliver books, but they've gone sort of a step further and they've um, filed a... Um, a petition with the US Federal Aviation Administration Department to say that uh, they want prime air to be available for its customers worldwide as soon as permitted to um, be done by regulators. Prime Air, is that like as in primary real estate? No. Real estate? <laughs> the, uh, Amazon in the US have got a program called Prime where you can subscribe for That's however nice. much a month and you get things like free lending books oh, and free delivery okay. and stuff yeah. like that. It's actually a so trademark trademark. Yes, yeah, it's, it's part of thing, their marketing whatever. umbrella. Yeah. But the idea behind it is that they want to uh, deliver packages to customers in 30 minutes or less using drones. Wow. Oh. So, you know, we're all... We, we've trained in this internet society to be, I want satisfaction now. So I want that book, I want it now, I buy it, I download it, I want that piece of music or that movie, I can download and buy it. Mm. And now it's going to be, I want that pizza, I'll get it within 30 minutes. I yeah. want this whatever from Amazon, I'll get it within 30 minutes. It's
2: actually an interesting... So it's, it's bringing that that uh, immediate uh, turnaround to the physical world, right? So it's yep. not just about whether I can get that, that game that I wanted to download straight away or that, that music, but it's also about... Hey, that that I don't know little gadget that I've been wanting to get. I've, I'm uh, it's fulfilling that spontaneous urge, right? Yes, component of the brain. And I mean, right?
0: sometimes it's it's not just you know getting click happy with with something that you want to impulse by. Maybe it's oh geez, there's no more toilet roll in the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna need to just uh, in
1: time toilet roll.
2: buying. Just in
0: time toilet roll buying. But no, you know, maybe we'll be
1: three D printing our toilet roll.
0: You know, last <laughs> week we talked about the uh, the USPS wanted to do a thing where they would three D print goods that you ordered yeah. at a post office and then they'd just deliver at the last mile.
2: Why would you want to three D print some toilet roll paper? I mean, it's, wouldn't that take it's a while? The, the raw paper is pretty much all you need anyway, right? Like think, think of the environment, Mark. All oh, right. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I, could, why don't someone think of the children? You
0: could buy one of these deeply discounted books that they're not allowed to sell in France if you're really desperate <laughs> and feed that to the 3D printer as raw material.
3: Yeah, yeah. and get toilet paper. I, uh, I had a moment of panic last night because I was looking at this article and I mentioned to my daughter, she said, oh, good, I can get my cosmetics delivered. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, bless. <laughs> oh. But Amazon estimate that they'll be able to deliver 86% of their products this way. Right. Which is pretty amazing. You know, the drones itself can carry about um, a five-pound payload, mm-hmm. which is, what, just under two kilo or just above two kilo. And uh, so that covers 86% of the products that they sell it is sort of under two kilo, which is Right.
1: pretty mm-hmm. amazing. It's funny because I always just thought it was a bit of a publicity stunt. It was came out about a year ago, wasn't it? And people started talking about it. The idea it. of mm. drones being – yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: well, Amazon do a lot of automation in their own um, – Shipping and their own warehousing things as well. So they have some enormous warehouses and they have people who. Um, And I don't know if you ever read much about their employment conditions and what happens to them and all the rest of it, but may as well be drones for the amount of um, autonomy they have. They literally have a thing that they hold that tells them, go and walk to this aisle, pick up this many things, put it in this basket and take them over here. Mm. Right. Now, if Amazon are going to be putting some thought into maybe automating some of their warehouses that way with drones, well, why not just get the drone to pick it up and fly all the way to someone's house?
1: Yeah, well, I'm sure that's why what not? they're thinking about. Mm. Yeah. yeah or, or, or direct from manufacturer, for that matter. They probably don't really want to have a warehouse.
0: Well, indeed. I mean, of course, Amazon doesn't actually make all of the widgets that they sell. So if there's any way that they can uh, just collect a bunch of delicious money mm. for all of their efforts without actually touching anything or, you know, spending money on people or resources, why not? That's mm. how they roll.
2: Yeah. Mm. Now, change of, uh, change of pace for just uh, as we head towards the end of the show... Um, we mentioned at the, at the top of the show Helsinki is a city of Finland and uh, in fact it's the capital of Finland and Finland's a special place isn't it, it's, uh, they're quite um, aware of their environment, they're quite uh, uh, a lot more, um, you would say it's a it's a more natural Country, perhaps. Yeah, and
3: yeah. like the rest of the Scandinavian countries, I guess they're um, reasonably social aware and um, looking at how um, changes can, can benefit um, their population. And uh, they're going to launch a pilot that's mm-hmm. um, basically aimed at getting rid of car ownership and using things like combination of taxis, um, carpooling, public transport and ride sharing apps to allow people to move around the city.
2: Yeah, so they're, they're um, looking at some type of uh, software solution that would uh, allow users to choose the best mode of transport, um, and uh, and we'll we'll look into developing that uh, that based on the user feedback. Uh, according to a Helsinki Times article, um, mm. payment options uh, might be by distance, for example, similar to I guess a taxi taxi ride is today, yeah. um, and uh, you know they're looking at uh, bundled packages. Uh, uh, in- included in the scheme as well so
3: and you know the internet of things is something that's going to benefit a project like this because if you do have let's say ride sharing apps then you know when there's a car who's got spare capacity and perhaps willing to pick you up for money or not money it's a different issue who may be physically close and coming into your area and based on uh, predicting where people travel from a to b might say oh yeah you want to go here well you know, mm. John's the one that's driving past. He'll be here in two minutes, and you can hitch a ride with them.
1: Yeah, mm. there are there are various apps out mm. uh, there that, that do this already. Cush, yeah, car share apps. And yeah, and
2: and obviously the controversy that we've talked about in the past in, mm. in those apps. But when when it's a jurisdiction where they actually want to promote these kinds of things and a diverse looks like a diverse way of doing it. Not just ace. You know, they're not just promoting uh, the, the the car sharing. Yeah. Side of things, they might be looking at other options as well.
0: Well, a lot of the dramas with car sharing at the moment relate to things like uh, regulation, making sure that people actually have insurance, yada, yada, yada. Mm. Now, if you as a government are prepared to invest a whole bunch of money into making sure that these car sharing things are, are properly insured and, you know, kept up to date and mm. all the rest of it, mm. and that there is, you know, appropriate protection for drivers and things like that, a lot of the problems that are currently about uh, ride sharing are, are probably going to be a thing of the past.
3: Yeah, that's right.
0: That's the kind of buying you need.
3: Mm. So this is a this is a long-term project and uh they're aiming at 2025 to make this uh, available citywide to people who are interested in partaking. Mm. Now, MIT yes, have been uh doing some research and uh they've come up with a finger reader to help visually impaired people read better yeah. and easier.
0: This is really cool. there's a video that's getting around of it. It's a little device that you strap to your finger
3: so it's like an oversized ring, isn't it?
0: Yeah, basically and um, as you're using uh, as, as you're using a book, you're pointing a your finger along the text and it's using text recognition to turn that into something that might be a little bit more useful to you
3: mm. so it's almost like you know when kids start to learn to read, they trace underneath the words to see, you know, what word they're reading. So you do that. You run your finger along the word, it reads it. Mm. And it's got um, audible and vibrational alerts to let you know if you've veered off the line or if you've reached the end of the line and have to go to a new line.
1: And mm. Is this one of the things, because there's a, a lack of, of Braille books nowadays? I
2: suspect
3: I, that's, I think that's a big concern I think for... A change,
1: for
2: isn't there? Partly.
0: So now, remembering that a lot of people that are visually impaired don't actually use Braille. Very few people do. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's true that there probably isn't a lot in the way of Braille. There is software... Um, well, oh, sorry, software-hardware combinations so you can actually have a Braille reader that is made of moving pins, right. for example. That's pretty cool. This is probably going to be um, something that is useful for people that maybe do have some vision because they're obviously going to need to know where to put their finger and things like that anyway. Mm. Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people that would be using a device like this probably have low vision is what we'd normally describe that as. So they're able well,
3: to not necessarily do that. Not necessarily yeah. have no vision. And, but and it, but it does it get over that learning curve that you need to undergo if you want to learn to read Braille.
0: Right. That's the thing. And a lot of people um, aren't born blind. You would need to spend a lot of time learning Braille. Right. right? And if you aren't born blind because something happened, there was an accident or an illness or whatever it is that happened, maybe you would never learn Braille. Yeah. Very true. And you may not need to now.
2: Hmm. This is Technogase here on Joy 94.9, where we like to talk about all the new gadgets, um, as helpful as they are in in, improving society. Uh, we'll be back. It's almost at the end of the show, but we'll be back with uh, with some more a wrap up of the show in a few moments. Techno gaze. You are listening to Techno Gaze. We're about to uh, move to the daytime programming. Then <laughs> I know <laughs> what on, happened. Unscheduled <laughs> <on> music. <laughs> <laughs> there was almost a disco in here. Yeah.
0: Oh, I was ready to dance.
2: But it is a, an excellent uh, way to spend your Saturday afternoon here on Joy ninety four point nine because we have a new lineup of uh, of on the on the new grid. That's course. right. That's right,
0: um, including Critical Hit, which is coming up in a couple of hours. Yes, I will be back in this studio to talk about games.
2: Oh, you're,
0: you're, um, I'm excellent. excited!
2: Gaming is—it's uh, Critical Hit—is uh, the new gaming show here on Joy 94.9. Um, do stay tuned for the entire afternoon. Indeed. Um, oh, quick mention to uh, what's his name, Benjamin from Collingwood. Thank you for signing up, becoming a member. Um, congratulations. Yes. We love new love members. Exactly. That's about it. That's all we've got time for today. If you've missed any part of the show or you'd like to peruse previous episodes, you can do so by checking out our podcast on joy.org.au slash technogaze. Coming up next is the Nudie Foodie with Pete Dillon. And, of course, a Joy News button. I think it might be... It's the uh, last
0: one. Gasp. What? I think.
2: May well be. Shannon, thank you very much. You've been a, a lovely news presenter. And uh, we we love every single moment of your news uh, reads. (laughs) Oh, cheers. No. There she is. Hello. I hope everyone has an excellent weekend, and uh, and do stay tuned on Joy because we've got a great lineup for mm. the rest of the afternoon.
0: And don't forget, AIDS 2014. Oh. We are going to be on the air, on the ground, at the Global Village down at AIDS 2014 all week. All so week. please come along and say hello to us. I think all of us who are in the studio. Yeah,
3: and the Global Village is open and accessible to anybody. That's right. You're just walking it's off the street,
0: free to rock in yep. and check things out and and see what's happening.
3: Starts tomorrow.
2: Fantastic. AIDS 2014. Joy.org.au, if you want to find out some more information. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. 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 gaze
0: on Joy 94.9. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024